Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now here's a message from one of our special guests. And we'll talk about some things tonight that are weighing heavily on my heart for the sake of the times in which we live. I stand in an apostolic office. I didn't start there, but over the course of years of faithfulness, just as a missionary doing what I could for the Lord, I was placed in that office sometime around 1987, 1988. And as a result, like I mentioned a moment ago, we pastor pastors between 275 and 300 in terms of numbers of churches and growing. And of course, we're still conducting our crusades, though much more on a limited basis because of the, the social distancing issues and the travel restrictions and the lockdowns and all of that that's over there, just like it is here and in other parts of the world. But as an apostle, I see things in the scriptures always from a foundational perspective. Apostles lay foundations and people build upon that. You know, there's the apostles, the prophets, the, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Okay, and everybody's called to do what they're called to do. I see things from scripture from that perspective. Everything I look at, everything I study from, from the word of God is about laying a foundation that will stand the tests of time. We've been doing what we've been doing now for 43 years. And I have seen people come and I've seen them go. I've seen them rise and I've seen them fall. And I have news for you. This man is going to finish running the race that he began back in 1978. And I pray that's the same way for you. That's the attitude you have to have in these last days. So we're going to talk about things we must do in the time that we have left. Things we must do. In the time we have tonight, we're going to talk about eight things that we must know, that we must do, or that we must tell other people. The key word, the common denominator in all these points will be the word must. You could say it's a message of must. Okay, We don't have time to play games anymore. We don't have time to you know, dilly-dally around anymore, around the things of God. We need to make the most of the time that's left because there isn't much time left. So we're going to talk from the Bible about things we must know, things we must do, and things we must share with other people. These are not open to discussion. These are not things open to debate. These are things we must do. We must be about the Father's business. And so from Scripture, we're going to look at eight of these. And obviously, each of these is a message unto itself, but we don't have that kind of time. So we're going to hit the high spots, look at each point, and let the Holy Spirit take you in your own Bible study time and flesh it out as he sees fit for you. But I pray that we'll have enough time tonight to cover enough territory that you'll understand that we cannot be fooling around anymore. There's no place for double-minded, triple-minded, melbatose, milksop, zwieback, camouflage, cupcake, Krispy Kreme, confused, carnal Christians. Can anyone say amen? As you may suspect, my counseling sessions are somewhat brief. We don't need to circle the wagons for 45 minutes. Just get to the verse that covers your situation. Go do what that says. Be warm, be, be, be gone. Be warm, be filled, and be gone in the name of Jesus. Praise God. See me in six months. All right. Look with me, if you would, at Acts chapter number 16. Acts 16, verse number 30. The first of these things we're going to talk about. And it's number one because it should be number one. The first of these things that we must understand, that we must do, and we must tell others. What must a person do to be saved? This is where everything starts. Without understanding this, you don't go anywhere. You can't do anything, and you have no value to the kingdom of God. What must a person do to be saved? Acts chapter number 16 and verse number 30. This is a conversation between a jailer and Paul being set free. There was an earthquake. You can go back and read the whole thing from chapter, chapter 16. But there was an earthquake. They were praising the Lord at midnight with their feet and hands beat up and their feet in the stocks and they were whipped within an inch of their life. And at midnight they're praising the Lord and uh, the prisoners were listening to all of this and the jail shook with an earthquake from God. All the prison doors were opened but the prisoners were so enamored with the praise and worship they didn't run away. They just stayed there. 
and the jailer, thinking that they had disappeared and escaped, was about to kill himself, throw himself at his own sword. And Paul cried out in the dark and said, do yourself no harm, we are all here. To which then the jailer runs in, grabs a light, runs into Paul's cell, and this is what he says. In verse number 30, he, that's the jailer, he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The answer, verse number 31. So he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. That's it. You know, earlier today and in Pastor Dan's messages beginning from yesterday through today, he talked about the, the need for simplicity and sincerity with the message we share and the ministry we conduct. Simplicity and sincerity. This is the simplicity of it right here. You don't have to go to Bible school to tell people there's only one way to get to heaven and his name is Jesus Christ. He said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, the life, nobody comes to God except through me. And that's it. There's no room for debate. There's no, there's no, there's no value in arguing with people. Tell, it, tell them straight up and then walk off. That's what Jesus did. He said, I am who you've been waiting for. Take it or leave it. Amen? You know, we're not out here to win friends and influence people. We're here to tell people that there's one way to get saved, and his name is Jesus Christ. And if you don't like it, that's your funeral. Nobody else's. It's yours. You make your choice. I've made mine. Amen? Someone says, well, how come you Christians are, you know, are you so, so, so narrow-minded, you know? Let me get this thing stuck on my ear here. Ah, Okay. You know, you Christians, you're so, so narrow-minded. You know, do you people think that you're the only ones? Why do you think you're the only ones? What about the Muslims? What about the Buddhists? What about the other sincere seekers of truth? To which I will say to them, well, look, Jesus said he is the way. The way. He didn't say he's a way. Well, why? Why do you Christians say, I'll tell you why. That's an easy question to answer. The reason Jesus is the only way is because he's the only one qualified to be the only way. He sits at the right hand of God right now. Muhammad doesn't sit there. Buddha doesn't sit there. The New Age people don't sit there. No one else can sit there because no one else is qualified to sit there because no one else's blood sits on a mercy seat right now to ratify the covenant that you and I enjoy because only Jesus had the pure blood to be shed on a cross to pay for the sins that you and I committed. Muhammad didn't do this, couldn't do this, neither could Buddha or anyone else out there. So that's it. Tell people the truth. What must I do to be saved? Get saved by receiving Jesus, and that's all you need to know, and that's all you need to do. No other name given among men. This is Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Peter preaches, he says, There is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. Amen. Salvation is a free gift, my friends, but you must receive the gift. Amen. I mean, it's offered to everybody. Jesus died for everybody, but not everybody receives the gift. Not everybody goes to heaven. You have to receive the gift. It's called free will. We can share it. We can present it. But at the end of the day, you make your choices. I make my choices. And wherever we go for all eternity is simply because of the choices we made while we were here on this earth. Amen. What? must I do sinners must believe and receive Jesus as Savior and that's it there is no other way he is the way the truth and the life just tell people the truth don't worry about the response don't worry about the reaction some people will love you for it many people will hate you for it but it doesn't change the truth that's it tell it straight up amen well someone might be offended I guarantee there'll be plenty of people who are offended it's all right Okay, there were a lot of people offended with Jesus too. They ultimately nailed him to a cross because he wouldn't compromise his message. All right, all right. What must I do? What must we do to be saved? The answer, receive the Lord Jesus Christ. That's number one. Number two, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. We'll start with verse 6, but we're going to also back up a few, in a few minutes a few verses. Second Timothy chapter number two, verse number six. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, the hardworking farmer must be first to partake 
of the crops. Notice the word must. That's the common denominator in all the points we're going to be looking at. It's the message of must. What must we do? What must we know? What must we tell other people? Okay, it says here, the hardworking farmer must be first a partaker of his own crops. Why? Because this is point number two. Point number two is really very simple. We must spiritually replenish ourselves. You cannot cruise on last year's revelation. You cannot cruise on last year's work. You cannot cruise on what you are doing five years ago. You have to understand that all the, all the effort that you and I make to stand in faith, walk by faith, resist the devil, confess the scriptures, all of this requires spiritual energy. And as you're using the, the word of God to repel the works of the devil, speak truth, confess the word, share Jesus, and all of these other things that we're supposed to be doing, your level of spiritual strength and sensitivity is going down inside of your spirit. It's like driving a car, okay? You've got a car with an engine, and it can take you all over the planet if you continue to put fuel in the engine. But as you continue to put fuel in the engine and you start the car up, the engine will burn the fuel, propel the car forward, and you move to wherever you need to go. And that's why the fuel level in the tank continues to go from full to empty. And if you don't fill up the tank, sooner or later, your car is going to coast to a stop. There's a lot of Christians who have coasted to a stop because they don't understand the importance of replenishing themselves, spiritually speaking, consistently, continually, all of the time, every single day of their lives. Because I don't know about you, but I have found out the devil doesn't take a vacation. You and I, we take vacations. He doesn't take a vacation. He's a spirit. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't need to pull back and refresh and all this stuff doesn't have a family to be concerned about, doesn't have a marriage to take care of and all of this. He is dedicated 24-7 to your destruction. And he takes no quarter, he takes no prisoners, he hates your guts and he's going to kill you at the earliest opportunity he can. And the only defense you have against him is your knowledge of the word of God and your ability to apply that knowledge against the works of the devil. That's your defense. And if you don't stay sharp and if you don't keep your sword sharp, it will become dull over time. And what the devil can't do today, he's going to come back around next year and try again. If you blow him off the map next year, he'll come back around two years from now and try again. If you clean his clock three years from now, five years from now, he'll keep coming around until he gets his way and gets in and wrecks and ruins your life. But it will not be done. It may not be so for people who stay sharp day in and day out because the hardworking farmer must be a partaker of the crops that he himself grows because in order to keep doing what he's doing as a hardworking farmer, he's got to stay strong. He's got to stay sharp. Amen. I tell you, we've all been around long enough to see them all come up and they see them all blow away. Ministers, I've seen it, okay? And I've purposed in my heart that it's not going to happen to me and you better purpose in your heart, it's not going to happen to you. And that doesn't happen because you love Jesus. That happens because you get into the word of God every single day and you feed yourself and you spend time with the Lord and you get your, your, your P's and Q's put in order with God each and every day. Joshua chapter 1, verse number 8, I'll just refer to it, quote it, I love it. You know, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do all that is written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous and then you shall have good success. Day and night, he said. He didn't say once a week on Sunday mornings, every so often, every so often when I feel inspired by God. He said every single day, every single night, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. That's how you get from point A to point B, from the start of the race you run when you get saved to the finish line where you cross the tape stronger at the end than when you started the race and you hear Jesus say on your judgment day, well done, good and faithful servant. Not just, well, what happened to you? Where'd you disappear to? There are no excuses for failure. Living by faith expends spiritual energy that must be replenished. All right? Don't think that what you were, what you were cruising with God with in, in uh, 2007 is going to carry you now, or 2010, or 2015. Have you discovered we're in uncharted territory now? COVID-19 is not the last COVID coming down the road, honey. 
Do you understand that? This is a trial run. He wanted to see what he could get away with. This didn't originate in China. This originated in the pit of hell. The Chinese were just the puppets the devil used to introduce this thing into the earth. This is a pandemic designed to shut down the church. Do you know how many missionaries all over the world can't get to where they're assigned by God because they can't get there because of the quarantines and the travel lockdowns and all of the fear and the confusion and the paranoia? We're two examples of this. But there are thousands of people that can't get to where they're supposed to go by design. It's by the devil's design. Hey, you know, obviously he wants to kill as many people as he can. But aside from that, he wants to shut down the Great Commission. All right, that's number two. We must spiritually replenish ourselves. Number three, same chapter, same book, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Back up three verses. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number three. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Must endure hardship. Now I'll tell you frankly, this is where we separate those that God can use and those that he can't use. This separates the good, the bad, and the ugly as far as God's concerned. You and I We're not down here tiptoeing through the tulips expecting just to be a prosperous soul living, you know, driving Teslas and all of this. You know, you and I need to understand the more you want to do for God, the bigger a target gets pasted on your back and you are going to get shot at and you're going to get wounded along the way. But the good news is Jesus will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. There is a 24-7 mash unit tent wherever you go to patch you up and get you back out on the front lines in the name of Jesus. And there's churches like this one prepared to stand by your side until you prevail over whatever hell you're going through in the name of Jesus. That's right. That's why you should continue to to attend this church. Amen. I guarantee you drive, you probably drove past a dozen churches to get to this one, and I would, wait, I would bet money that you drove past 12 cemeteries in disguise looking like a Christian church would have no idea how to move with the Holy Spirit, no idea what we're down here to do. They are just bodies in chairs on Sunday morning. This church knows what the hell we're doing down here and what we're going to be doing and how we're going to torment the devil in the name of Jesus and turn him up one side and down the other. Can, can you say amen? We are going to turn our world upside down in the name of Jesus. And if, if you make that your decision, you're going to get shot at like you've never been shot at before. And good for us and bad for the devil. Because he can't come up with a plan good enough to stop you if you refuse to quit. We must endure hardship. Point three. Christian soldiers must know how to endure hardship. It's just so hard. You know, I have pastors, you know, this, this happened once. You know, I, I mentioned a few minutes ago, we got between 275 and 300 pastors. So I pastor pastors, and on a regular basis, they are contacting me with all of their challenges, issues, problems, and whatever. Now, the ones that have been with me for a while know better than to do what the newbies do, but the first time they come by, they're, they're coming by with all the complaining and the mumbling and the complaining and the crying and, you know, woe is me. It's so, just so difficult. They call me Daddy Mike over there. Daddy, Daddy, you, you, you just don't know what it's like. There's witch doctors. There's communist rebels. There's Muslim insurgents. There's the government. There's COVID. I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm ready to quit and give up. Can you help me? Yeah, I can help you. Take my hand. The Bible says, if two or three gather together as touching anything that they ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. So you take my hand right now. We will pray that you die. <laughs> go home. Get out of my way. Get off my back. Go, bo- go home. You know, listen, as long as you're down here, you're going to get shot at. Whoever told you this would be some kind of cakewalk? Whoever told you it'd be some kind of easy walk with no no problems, no challenges, are you kidding me? If you signed up for the war, you're going to be placed on the front lines and you're going to get shot at and you better know how to use the weapons that God gave to you and you better know how to shoot back in the name of Jesus and make the devil pay for what he's trying to do against you. And if you get wounded and bleed, we'll bleed with you, but we can't handle quitters. We can't handle quitters. But if you hang in there, we'll bleed with you until you prevail in the name of Jesus. But it's not going to be easy, you know, (laughs) 
Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus made this statement. He said, if you want to follow me, you better take up your cross. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross. That's a message you don't hear very often around here. Take up your cross and follow me. All right? Take up your cross. It's not going to be that easy. Okay? Expect the problems. Don't be surprised. First Timothy, I'm sorry, First Peter chapter 4 says it's normal to experience persecution. It's normal. It's abnormal not to experience the persecution, not to get shot at, not to have sicknesses come your way. It, that's abnormal. The normal is always to be under fire, but you advance under fire in the name of Jesus. Someone say amen. Jesus made the statement in John 15, 20. He said, listen, if they attack me, they'll attack you. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. If nothing's going on in your life right now to make the devil nervous, something's wrong in your life. Let me repeat that just for emphasis. If you're not making the devil nervous in some way, shape, fashion, or form because of what you're doing, what you're saying, or whatever you're doing in the name of Jesus. Something's wrong here because we're not called to be brother blend-ins and pastor populars. We're supposed to be boat rockers and wave makers and maker, shakers and movers. Can anyone say amen? We're supposed to shake the tree. Amen. Let the devil know we're here. Don't hide from him. Stand out there and say, I'm here. Take your best shot. On your best day, you can't take me down because God will never leave me nor forsake me. And I'm going to finish the race that I started to run on the day that I got saved in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. That's number three. We must, we must endure hardship. You don't cave in. You endure it. You get stronger because of it. The reason I preach the way I do, I don't apologize for this because I've lived it. 43 years, I've lived this. Don't tell me faith doesn't work. Don't tell me that the authority of the believer is just some kind of pipe dream. Don't tell me the name of Jesus doesn't work. I've put this under, under fire. We've tested it in the lab of, of the front lines of worldwide missionary work. You know, we've been shot at. Bullets have flown by. We've had Muslim imams jump up on the stage and try to knife me in the middle of my message. We've had all kinds of witch doctors, you name it, all kinds of things. But we're still here. They're not here anymore. They're long gone. But we're still standing in the name of Jesus. Faith works. The word of God prevails the name of Jesus is the name above every name are you listening you got angels at your disposal you've got the word of God sharper than any two-edged sword there is no reason why you can't prevail and endure anything that the devil throws against you in the name of Jesus nothing nothing amen thank you Jesus all right number four look at second Timothy Chapter 3, let's go one chapter over. 2 Timothy, I should say, chapter 3, verse number uh, 12. Let's go there, okay? We've already touched on what verse 12 tells us, but let's keep reading. Verse 12 says this. Yes, and all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecutions. And we just talked about that, so let's not be redundant there. It's pretty self-explanatory. Verse 13, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Verse 14, but you, what's the next word? Must continue in the things that you've learned and been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them. That's quite a statement. You must continue in what you've learned, what you've been assured of, and who's taught you. All right? That's why I got to tell you, you know, you should be planted in a church like this with seasoned people who know what they're doing. People who have been on the front lines, they've been shot at, they've been hit, they've been bleeding, but they're still here. Learn from these people. When I was at Rama, I had reams of notes. I sat under these people because I knew they had been where I was going. And, man, I couldn't take notes fast enough. I sat under Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, and all these other guys, man, these people, these great people of faith. I was there for nine months, and Oral Roberts came through. You know, Kenneth Hagen was my daily teacher, you know, and there was, uh, I mean, just the who's who of people out there that did things, great things for the Lord. And I was just so honored to be a part of their ministry just to sit and listen to these people. Amen. 
I know who I learned from. And I took what I learned with the $20 in my pocket and a one-way plane ticket to the Philippines, and I went overseas, and from ground zero, we've built the ministry to what it is today, 275 to 300 in numbers of churches, over 750,000 people led to Jesus, the Bible school growing, and, you know, we're still going and growing for the Lord. And, you know, we're, our race is far from finished in the name of Jesus because once you put into practice the principles these people teach you, those principles are with you for the rest of your life. Amen. This never changes. These principles never change. The Bible says in Mark chapter 4, the entire kingdom of God is, is like men planting seeds in the ground. Everything in the kingdom of God operates like farmers farming their crops, farming their fields, planting their crops. There's a planting season, there's a growing season, and there's a harvesting season. If you understand the principles for money, for authority, for evangelism, for church planting, you name it, if you understand those principles, they'll always produce for you. Amen. Follow the people that, are going, that have been to where you're going. Listen to them. Learn from them. We don't know everything. I'm still learning. I've been at this for 43 years, and I'm still learning. I still preach about faith, and I'm still learning new things about faith. We never will reach the place where, yeah, I know everything about that one. I don't, I've heard that one before. No, 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 no. Thank you, Jesus. We must continue to do what we've been taught to do and been assured of. See, I don't apologize for faith. I've lived it. I've used it. I've applied it. It works. I've been sick, and I've applied my faith, and I've been healed. I've been broke and I've applied my faith and God's delivered cash when cash was needed. I've been shot at, but I, you know, I, I refuse to die in the name of Jesus. We're not going anywhere because the race is not yet run. We're not yet finished. Amen. Don't fall away. Amen. That's your, that's your decision. You know, there's empty seats where people used to sit in churches like this. Where did they go? Don't tell me something came along in your life that was just so difficult that it just convinced you to quit coming to church are you kidding me this is where we should be when we're under attack this is where we should be when we're standing in faith for our life this is where we need to go don't stay away are you kidding that's the dumbest thing you can do you ought to double down on your church attendance when you're under the gun when you're up against the wall when you're being shot at from all directions this is where you ought to camp out Thank you, Jesus. All right, we must continue to do what we've been taught to do. Whatever you learn from pastors like Pastor Jim and Pastor Deborah and Pastor Dan and Jessica and the whole staff, the ones that teach us and train us, listen and learn and apply this in your life because we know this stuff works. Amen. Amen. All right, number five. Look at Acts chapter 27. Pastor Dan was over in this area earlier today with his messages. He was over in 24. We're going to go to 27 here. Acts 27, verse number 20. I'll start there. If you read all of Acts chapter 27, this is the, this is the chapter dedicated to the storm in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. Paul was in the boat with a number of other people. He was a prisoner being sent to Rome to defend his life on the charge of sedition against the Roman Empire. And so, you know, he had told them, you know, we should not leave. It's already past the time of safe sailing. You better just park the boat here for the winter. But they said, no, 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 no. The wind is blowing softly and the sun is shining. We can make it to the next port, which is Phoenix, because it's more commodious to winter there. And so they thought they could get there. But on the way to Phoenix, the storm came up and they got caught in the storm. And the thing was blowing them all over the ocean for weeks. Now, you know, in the Philippines, my wife and I, because the Philippines is an island nation, there are 7,100 islands. 7,100 islands. So you're always traveling from one to the other on boats or planes if it's major cities to major cities. But most of the time where we go, these are the villages and the small towns and things and stuff. So, you know, it's by boat. And I got to tell you, when you're out there in the ocean and the waves get big and the wind is blowing because it's pitch dark, they, they travel from port A to port B at night. Okay, you, you load and unload cargo during the day, and then at night the boat leaves port A to go to port B through the night, through the islands, across the channels, and whatever, okay? And they navigate, you know, by time and by distance and stars and all of this stuff. 
But I tell you, you know, when we travel from Osamas to Cebu, which is the main route that we take, for the first three hours, you're traveling along the coastline. You can see the lights of the coastline because you're within, you know, distance, a couple miles of the shoreline. But after about 10 or 11 p.m., you get out into the open sea. And you're in the open sea from about 11 p.m. to 4 a.m., out in the middle of nowhere. And that's when the storms get big and the waves get huge. And I got to tell you, honey, when those waves get huge, they're bigger than the boat. And when the boat gets hit broadside by a wave at the crest of that wave, that thing shakes. It sounds like a bomb goes off. Boom! And the whole thing shakes like this and it goes over and people are screaming and they're fighting over life preservers. Most of these people are Catholics, man. They whip out that rosary and they start praying for all they're worth. I gotta tell you, they're going through those beads. Those beads are smoking in the name of Jesus. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord's with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed the fruit of thy womb. Holy Mary, Mother God, pray for us. You know what I mean? The beads are just falling apart for the stress of it all you know people are throwing up bottles are rolling from one side to the other the ship goes over like this the wave goes over the the bow goes under the wave comes goes over the bow comes back up people are screaming this is you know this is not the love boat this is not the royal caribbean cruise that we're talking about here you know i i know what it's like to be out there in these situations for four or five hours paul was in the boat for weeks weeks like this you can imagine. It says here in verse 20, we started there, let's look at it. It says, now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, if you keep reading, it was, it was over two weeks, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. These are professional sailors and they thought they were dead meat. They thought, we'll never see land again. This is, we're, over, we're done. We've been in storms before, but nothing like this. Why? Because this storm was demonic in origin. The devil knew who was in that boat. He knew where Paul was going, and he knew what Paul's assignment was. He was going to share the gospel with Caesar. So the devil's going to try to take him out while he can. He sends this storm to take him out. The soldiers and the sailors, they'd never seen a storm like this. But it says in verse 21, after long abstinence from food, Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. Now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. Verse 23, for there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. Verse 24, here's the key, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. The point, we must finish our race. We must. In the middle of this raging storm, try to appreciate the moment, okay, this is not Paul on the Royal Caribbean ship sitting in a hot tub. This is Paul hanging on for dear life, surrounded by screaming soldiers and sailors, the boat falling apart by the, the violence of the waves, the wind blowing, howling, the waves hitting the ship, the whole nine yards. And in the middle of this, the angel appears and says, don't be afraid. <laughs> yeah, right, don't be afraid. Because you are going to make it to shore. You'll live and not die. You'll find land again because you're not done. You have to stand before Caesar. You have a race to run and it is not finished. Christians, here's my point. Christians must stand before their Caesar. And you have a Caesar. Everybody has a Caesar. Now what that means to you is between you and God. But whoever it is and whatever it is, you must finish. You must stand before your Caesar and deliver the message. No matter what the devil tries to do to take you out, he can't take you out because you're not done running your race. And that's what you can tell him. You can remind him, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not done here. I got work to do and we're not finished. And whenever the devil comes along and tries to take me out, that's the first thing I tell him. Who do you think you are? My day of departure, split foot, is not up to you. It's up to me and my God. We converse about my day of departure. You have nothing to say about it. I'm not answering to you. I'm answering to God. And last time I, he checked, I checked with him. I got things to do, and I, they're not all done yet. So we're not going anywhere. God will do what is necessary to protect us until our assignments from him are finished. Period. Look with me at John chapter 8. Here's an example of this from our Lord's ministry when he was here. John chapter 8. Verse number 58. Let's start there. John 8, 58. This is 
This started out as a Bible study. John chapter 8 started as a Bible study and it ended up as a heated argument. By the time this chapter was done, they're screaming at Jesus, accusing him of blasphemy. So, as we read from John 8, 58, Jesus said to the Jews, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, they knew what he just said. He just called himself God, and they knew it. So, how, is, how do they respond? Verse 59, so they took up stones to throw at him. Look, they took up stones, picked up stones to throw at who? Jesus. Jesus is the target. He's the target. He's the blasphemer. We're going to stone him to death. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Now, use your imagination and picture this in your mind. A group of people so angry with this preacher, this rabbi, that they think he just committed blasphemy by calling himself God. They pick up the stones. They're going to throw it at Jesus. And the Bible says Jesus hides himself, not behind the pillar, not behind the altar, not behind the oxen about to be sacrificed. He hides by going through the middle of the crowd and passes by. Explain that to me. And remember now, the Bible is not written in chapters and verses. Okay? So get rid of this chapter 9, because 9 wasn't there. Okay? That was added centuries later. Let's keep reading right into chapter 9, because there is no 9 in the original Greek. Okay? Chapter 9, verse 1. As Jesus passed by, as Jesus passed by, as Jesus passed by who? The people with stones in their hand looking for him to stone him. As he passed by, as he was going through the midst of the crowd, he sees a man blind from birth. His disciples asked, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus replies in verse 3, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him that sent me whilst day. Well, the night is still coming when no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Verse 6, when he said these things, he spit on the ground, made clay from the saliva, anointed the eyes of the blind guy, and said, Go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he went and washed and came back seeing. Verses 1 through 6 of John chapter 9 all took place while the people with stones in their hand were looking for him to throw the stones because he just committed blasphemy and they couldn't find him. Listen, if I just say something to you that so angers you, and let's say there's just a bunch of stones here and, you know, the penalty for what I just said is stoning to death, which is what was in the law for that guy, for that, that blasphemy, that sin right there. And you pick up your stones and you're going to throw those stones at me because I'm the target. Are you looking at me? If you're going to throw the stone at me, are you looking at me? I'm the target. So you're looking. How can you hide? I mean, if you run behind the pillar, they're going to watch. They're going to know you run behind the pillar because they're looking right at you. If I run behind the organ here to avoid your stones, you're going to see me run behind the organ because you're looking right at me because you're going to throw the stones at me. How is it that the man could hide himself and walk through the middle of the crowd and then minister to the blind guy while they're still trying to find him and can't locate him? Listen, if God has to make you invisible, he'll make you invisible. What, is it hard for God to do such things? Of course not. But Jesus said, how many times did he say, you know, my hour has not come? The Bible says they tried to lay hands on him but couldn't because his hour had not come. And he knew his hour had not yet come. They can't take him out. Listen, if you're still running your race, the devil can't take you out. Understand it and accept it. Walk in the light of it. Okay? Which then leads us to number six. Let's go back to Acts. 27, let's go back to the same chapter we were just from. Acts 27 and verse number 26. Acts 27, verse 26. After Paul says, don't be afraid because I have to stand before Caesar. He says, however men, we must, we must, we must run aground on a certain island. My point, you must allow for divine detours in your life. Malta, which is the island they crash-landed on, 
was not on Paul's triple A triptych. He was on his way to Rome. Malta was not on his travel schedule, but it was on God's travel schedule. Paul was not planning to have a three-month revival on the island of Malta after he miraculously healed the father of Publius. He didn't know any of this was in play, but God did. So he said, yeah, I have to stand before Caesar, but before I get there, we must, we must, we must run aground on a certain island. You've got to allow for divine detours in your life. And let me tell you something. COVID-19 is a divine detour. Because we are now reinventing ways to reach people that we weren't doing this before. We're we're examples of this. We're on Facebook Live now. We weren't even praying about this stuff uh, when this COVID stuff came along. We weren't even praying about these things. But now we're doing it. We're getting better at doing it. We're learning how to handle it, you know. And we're getting to, to the place where we can reach people now all over the world that we never could reach in any other way. Amen. You know, listen, if you give the devil enough rope, he's going to hang himself every single time. COVID-19 is a detour, so let it be a detour. We know we can just do end-arounds around all the fear and the paranoia and all of this and still serve God and do more for the Lord at the end than we did at the beginning in the name of Jesus. So just, you know, don't say, what are we going to do? Just, hey, go with the flow. COVID did not surprise God. Wow, what a revelation. It's like, you know, he's wringing his hands like, I didn't know this was coming. Are you kidding? He knew this was coming before we were even born. He's got contingency plans for you, for me, and for everybody. Why don't we just ask the Lord, okay, we've got this roadblock in front of us. How are we going to navigate this? And he'll show us how to get around these things in the name of Jesus and do more for the Lord than we ever could before. Detours notwithstanding. Amen. Malta was not on Paul's itinerary, but it was on God's. Number seven. John chapter 3, verse 30. Is this helping anybody? John 3. Okay. Things we must know, things we must do, things we must share with others. This is John the Baptist. John 3, 30. He says, he, that's a reference to Jesus, he must increase, but I must decrease. Notice the word must. He must increase, I must decrease. Listen, the longer you're serving the Lord, you have to understand the importance of letting the Lord be the Lord in your life. You and I, we are failures going somewhere to happen without Jesus. Okay, the moment we think we're something special, we're already in trouble. Okay, I know who I am, and I know who I was before Jesus found me and cleaned me up and put me out there in the front lines and gave me the grace to do what I'm doing. I know what I am without that, and I know what I am with him and in him. And the difference is night and day. But I'm smart enough to know anything that happens through this ministry is not because I'm somebody special. It's because of the grace of God. It's because of the love of God. It's because of the patience of God, the mercy of God, the forbearance of God, the provision of God, the protection of God. I am nothing without him. And don't you ever sit there and think, well, I'm somebody special. Check me out. Because right then and there, you are in trouble. Because if you think you stand, you are ready to fall. And baby, there are all kinds of casualties of war within the body of Christ. People who got to thinking more highly of themselves than they needed to, and the devil took them out. Amen. Praise the Lord. He must increase. The more I'm in this, the more I know I need to stay out of God's way and cooperate with the Holy Ghost and let him use me. Listen, if you give God a chance to be great, he'll be great for you. But give him a chance to be great. Get out of the way and let him drive the car. And then you'll be just where you need to be doing what you need to be doing by his grace and by his mercy. And everything will be exactly as it's supposed to be. All right. He must increase. We must decrease. Hebrews chapter number 4 says this. Verses 9 through 11. We don't have to turn there. We are to labor to enter his rest. We're to labor to enter his rest. Okay? 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, cast all your care over to God. Why? Because he cares for you. Don't worry about things. One of the greatest takeaways in this COVID pandemic, I was telling Pastor Dan about it earlier, Pastor Dan and Jeff, Jess, um, I was reminded by God, he doesn't need my meetings to meet my needs. What a revelation. So simple. I mean, it's so simple, you, you stare right at it and you can't see it. All these years, 
For 41 years, my friends, I've been beating the bushes every weekend, finding meetings to preach in churches because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I got to have a meeting. I got to have an offering to pay the bills to stay one step ahead of bill collectors. And all For 41 years. But when all the churches were closed last year, we went six and a half months without a meeting. That hasn't happened in 41 years. I, miss, I have missed three weekends in 41 years of preaching for Jesus, going somewhere every weekend of my life until COVID came down the road and all the churches were closed. We didn't have a meeting for six and a half months. And during those six and a half months, we prospered more financially than we've ever prospered before because God said, hey, you know what? I don't need your meetings to meet your needs. Thinking, whoa, you know, that took all the pressure off me. That's the biggest takeaway from this that I've had so far. I don't worry about any of this stuff anymore. If I have a meeting, good. If I don't, still good because God's still God and praise the Lord, he's still going to meet my needs. Amen. I'm relaxed. I cast all my cares upon the Lord. Now, you know, we preach this stuff, but under pressure, you wonder sometimes if you're actually living what you're preaching. Finally, verse number, or number eight. Number eight, this one is the challenge, at least it is for me. We must love each other. <laughs> it's not as easy as it may sound. And, and, you know, listen, if you've been saved for longer than 10 minutes, you know this to be true. Not all the brethren are lovely people to hang around with all day long. I know it's a shock for some of you to understand, but it is what it is. Look with me at 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Verse number 21. Thank you, Jesus. 1 John 4, 21. And this commandment, everyone say commandment. It's not a request. It's not a suggestion. He's not implying something. It's a commandment. I'm in the military. I hold the rank of brigadier general in the Philippine Army. When I give a command, those guys snap to attention and do what I tell them to do. They don't say, well, now I'll think about that one, General. No, shut up and go do what I told you to do because I just gave you a command. I didn't give you a suggestion, and I didn't give you a request. I gave you a command, and I'm the general, and you're not. So this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God, what's the next word? Must love his brother also. Jesus said, by this you shall know that all, by, by this you shall know that you are my disciples. All men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And here's the, here's the big takeaway. Love is not like. Love is a decision. Love is not a feeling. Like is a feeling. Love is a decision. I love you because you're you, because you're my brother or my sister. Okay? I love you unconditionally because Jesus loves you. I see the value in you because God does. Okay? I may or may not like you, and you may or may not like me. You're not commanded to like me. You don't have to. And I'm not commanded to like you. And I've had plenty of opportunities to practice that through the years in the name of Jesus. But the point is, it doesn't matter whether we like people or not. We love them in the name of the Lord. Okay? You need to love your brothers and your sisters because they're brothers and they're sisters. Period. There's nothing else. There's no other qualifications, no other requirements, no, nothing, no, no boxes to check here. If you're born again, I'm commanded to love you. That's why, as an example, we tell people the truth. We don't mince words. We tell people straight up the love of God. Okay, if you're in trouble, if you're drifting, I had to tell you, you got to change. Pastor was talking about it today. The power of repentance. Repentance is the most active power word in the New Testament. Repentance sets the bar, turns the ship back on course, you know, puts the sails back up in your ship, whatever the case may be. You need to repent. And if I love you, I'm going to tell you straight up, you are drifting, Jack, and you better get back in line because you're not where you're supposed to be. You're not where you used to be and you're going to get yourself into trouble if you don't stop doing whatever it is you're doing. Well, you're going to... Listen, I don't care if people like me. I'm responsible to tell them and so are you. You love people by telling them the truth. Tell people the truth. That's the example. That's the expression of true biblical love. Okay? So, eight things. There are there's more things, but these are the ones that as an apostle I see as foundational elements to build your house upon the rock of Jesus so that the winds and the sand and the storms of life will not cause your house to cave in and blow away. 
I want to see you finish running the race that you're running tonight in the name of Jesus. Do you want to finish? All five of you. Do you really want to finish running the race? Yeah, I want to finish. And I want to finish stronger at the end than I was at the beginning. Praise God. Make that your goal. Put this stuff into practice and you'll get to the finish line and you'll be stronger at the end with a whole bunch of people behind you that are there because of something you said, something you did, something that you contributed to their life and their walk with God. That's why we are here. We're not here to buy cars. We're not here to have homes. We're not here to do any of this stuff. We are here to represent Jesus as an ambassador for Christ. And that's all why we're here. There's no other reason why we're here. So let's step in, take our place on the front lines, pick up our weapons, put our helmet back on and engage the enemy fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Can anyone say amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word tonight. We believe that your word was sown in good ground. Help us, Lord, to be doers of the word and not just listeners only. We thank you, Lord God, that we will take to heart what we have learned from Scripture, the things we must say, the things we must do, and the things we must tell other people in these last of the last days. Oh, Lord, we praise and thank you that you're working with us. It's amazing to me, Lord, that you choose to work with us. We're all such works in progress, but you work with us nonetheless. You're patient with us and kind and forbearing and forgiving and loving and all of this. Help us to do the same with each other in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Open up your hearts. I am calling in these last days a select few. I'm calling you, says the Lord, one of my warriors, one of my frontline fighters, someone I can count on in the clutch. I am looking and I'm searching back and forth across the whole world for people and for churches like this. Step up and accept the challenge. Step up and accept the responsibility. There's no weapon that is not to, there's no weapon that you are lacking that I have not supplied. There's no way that you can be defeated because I have given you my spirit and I've given you my word and I've given you my name and there's nothing the devil can do to stop you. So quit asking and quit believing and quit wallowing in excuses for failure and for lethargy and for apathy and for laziness, but stand up and rise up and accept and enjoy the challenge and embrace the moment because I have declared you to be victorious before the fight has ever begun. I paid the price for your sins and I paid the price that you might be able to walk this earth without apology and without fear to proclaim the uncompromised word of God. So step up and act like who you are and step up and be who you are and no weapon formed against you can prosper and no weapon shall prosper because this church has been ordained by my spirit to change the world and you're a part of that change. Accept it, believe it, and receive it, says the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You ought to get a copy of that, read it about five times a day for a while until you actually believe what was just said to you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.